Hey gang, this is John Karabi, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Turn it up, baby. Loud and proud. Come on. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music scene. In episode 56, we had the awesome opportunity to speak to John Karabi. John has been in such bands as Motley Crue, Rat, and The Scream. John will be making his way to Pittsburgh twice in the next two months. John will be coming to the Hard Rock Cafe on July 2nd as part of the Lost Angels, sort of an all-star band uh, featuring himself uh, and uh, a few other notable musicians from the scene, including Troy Patrick Farrell, who is the current drummer of both Pretty Boy Floyd and White Lion. So uh, kind of a fun show they do there. And he will also be coming to the Altar Bar on August 1st as part of the Triple Threat show, which will feature the uh, L.A. Guns, which is Tracy Guns' version of the band, and Faster Pussycats. So you've got kind of a great night of 80s hair metal, to uh, coin a term there. So uh, we wanted to catch up with John and find out what's been going on with him. He was certainly in the media quite a bit as part of Motley Crue. He's one of the authors of the book The Dirt, uh, Motley Crue's autobiography. So kind of an interesting fellow with kind of a long resume but as we talk about in the interview there is not one definitive place to get all the information on John so we kind of walk through from uh, his beginnings in uh, Philadelphia all the way through his rise with Motley Crue and uh, what he's up to now so we hope you enjoy the interview before we get into it we're going to play a song from The Scream uh, his first album that kind of made it to national prominence this is a song called Man in the Moon
Uh, with great pleasure, I welcome to the show John Karabi. John, how are you doing today? I'm all right. How are you? I can't complain. Hey, um, you are uh, going to be coming into our fine city of Pittsburgh uh, two times in the month of July, so I thought uh, what better time to take a few minutes out of the day and uh, get in touch base with you and kind of uh, refresh people's memory on who you are and uh, kind of focus on what you're doing now. Um, I think, obviously, a lot of people probably remember you as the former singer of Motley Crue, but if we could, can we kind of take a step back um, to kind of where you got started? You're from Philadelphia, correct? Yes, actually, and um, just for the record, I actually have a... I was um, married when I lived in Pennsylvania to a lovely girl from your neck of the woods out there in uh, uh, Beaver Falls, um, Aliquippa area. My ex-wife is from uh, that area. Her family still lives out there. So uh, I've spent many, many, many days in your neck of the woods. Yeah, I spent a lot of time on the turnpike, I imagine, then. Yes, yes, Uh, sir. (laughs) Did you grow up in, in Philadelphia, or did you kind of move out west? No, I, I was uh, born and raised in Philadelphia. I lived all over that city. And um, I moved out to uh, moved out to Los Angeles in, 18, I think it was 85 or 86. Okay. And on the, on the actual word of a, a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, Johnny D., who played drums with Britney Fox. He was my original drummer way back in the day. And he had gone out to California, uh, like a vacation, a trip. And he came back and he was like, dude, it's, it's amazing out in California. There's like all kind of rock bands, original rock bands and chicks walking around in lingerie and big hair. And, you know, so it was like, you know, uh, it was kind of the thing to do at that point. Like, um, Philadelphia really didn't have very much of a hard rock uh, original circuit, if you will. You know, so I kind of made the choice to move out to California. And oddly yeah, enough, was- oddly enough, about six months after I moved out there, Cinderella got signed, which pretty much opened the floodgates for every band in Philadelphia to sign. Really? <laughs> Funny, yeah, my timing I mean, is impeccable. Yeah, Brittany Fox followed that very shortly thereafter. Now you got um you got your start in a band called Angora, is that correct? Um, yeah, it had a few different names. I mean, we just were we tried to I think we were called Fragile for a little while. We were we were uh we we were we were glam for about we were a glam band for about literally thirty seconds. We called ourselves Raggedy Ann. Um, just, I, we tried everything. So we wound up being called Angora. Um, and we, we actually got quite a bit of, of fanfare in, um, uh, Los Angeles. We, we were, uh, the radio station KNAC, um, did a, they did like a compilation disc of, of 10 local bands. We wound up making it onto there. Um, and we were doing like a lot of, you know, pretty big shows at the time with bands like Racer X and Shark Island and and uh, just doing really good business. But unfortunately, it fell apart um, due to some of the band members um, were getting a little bit too heavy into the partying aspects of of the business. So, 
Absolutely. It wound up, uh, it just fell, it fell apart, so. Are your, the shows you mentioned with Racer X, was that kind of how you formed the relationship with Bruce and that ultimately became the screen? Yeah, um, actually, it was funny. Um, I did a few shows with Racer X. Uh, I knew John already. We had a bunch of mutual friends. Um, I knew John and, and, and Bruce. John was more, was a little bit more, um, talkative than Bruce was. Um, Bruce is a little bit quiet and reserved, you know, at times until you get to know him. So I, I kind of met John and, and, uh, you know, met Scott Tribe. I met all the guys actually. And, um, we kind of formed a relationship. And then I also did some shows with the band Shark Austin, which introduced me to what, who eventually became the number of the screen, Walt Woodward. Okay. Now the album there, um, Two tracks that really stuck out to me, and I, I've always loved the song "Man on the Moon." I thought that's an exceptional song. But another song, and kind of going back and re-listening to that album that I had kind of forgotten about was "Mother, Father, Son." Is that was that written by you? The lyrics yeah. of that song? Yeah, it was. That it was weird. That that song we had actually started working on the record with uh, Eddie Kramer, and okay. um, that was a very that was one of those last minute, you know kind of being in the studio and, um, you know, some creative floodgate was opened, you know what I mean? And I, uh, I, I don't know. It was weird. There, there used to be a commercial. I don't know if they showed it in Pennsylvania or not, but there was a commercial in LA, uh, about a guy that's like, you see him, it's a, it's a black and white commercial. It's like raining and he's sitting there and he's talking to what appears to be his son and he's like, you know, I wish you would have told me. He's kind of looking down as he's talking. He's like, I wish you would have told me. I didn't know. I told you you could talk to me about anything. And he's just going on and on and on. And as he's talking, the camera's panning out. And it finally gets all the way out. And you see the guy. And he's talking to, it's a headstone. And okay. then the screen goes black. And it says, teach your kids about drugs. And it was weird. Like, I just, I, I had... You know, I had a little boy that was probably, God, he was maybe two, he, two, three years old. I mean, he was he was still in a diaper. He was running around, you know, and, and I just sat there and I looked at that commercial and then I looked at my son and I'm, I, I, I just tried to sit there and, and imagine, like, what that would feel like, you know what I mean? And then Ooh. it was, like, so I wrote the song actually in, in like, the perspective of, uh, like it's it's like the kid, but he's an angel. You know what I mean? And he's trying to talk to his parents and thank them for all the great things that he did. And he knows he, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, I kind of leave it to the imagination. You know, like whether the kid was, uh, you know, whatever whatever it is that the kid does or, or how he passes away, he's just telling his parents he misses them and and he thanks them. And so it was cool. I get a lot of emails still about that song. So. It's it is true. I, I remember, you know, hearing it over it oh god, it's almost been twenty years since that song came out. Um, you know, at the time I was a teenager and you no know, children at the time and now listening to it I have two children of my own and the perspective, you know, it is, it's almost can be many things to many people. It's a phenomenal track. Now from the from the screen, is that kind of how Nikki approached you? 
or they did they approach you, or did they go through the management to get to you, or how did how did the relationship they, they, through? It was funny. Um, we, we the screen was on tour, and th- there was a, an article in the magazine Spin on Motley Crue, and I was sitting there reading it. I think Nikki was on the cover. Um, they had just done, you know, they just came off that Feel Good tour, and which was massive. Um, and then they released their greatest hits record, The Decade of Decadence, and they were just on top of the world. They had just signed a massive record deal. And so Spin Magazine interviewed Nikki, and, and uh, somewhere in the interview they were asking him, like, so, you know, what bands are you into right now? Like, who are you listening to? And he was just like, man, I fucking love this band, The Scream. Love them, you know? And uh, so... Uh, it was weird. We got done the tour. We were home in LA. We had maybe like two shows to do in and around the LA area. Mm-hmm. So I called um, Motley's manager to thank Nikki, just to leave him a note like, hey, dude, thank you for the plug and spin. Really appreciate it. And, you know, would you like to get together and write sometime? So I left my name and my number. And um, according to Nikki, like he was literally on the phone with his manager going, man, we, I'd really like to get a hold of that guy from the screen, but I don't know how to get a hold of him. And apparently I called on the other line while he was talking to his manager and the secretary girl just ran in. She's like, I got his number right here. He just called. <laughs> so I hung the phone up. I was literally leaving to go sound check with the scream. And my phone rang, and I remember it was Valentine's Day in 92. Okay. And Nikki and Tommy called me, and they're like, hey, dude, you can't say anything, but Vince quit. And, uh, you know, we need a singer. So would you come down on Monday? And I was kind of taken back. I'm like, "Uh, yeah, okay, that's cool, sure. You know, and I went down on Monday. I auditioned with them. They had me come back on Tuesday. I auditioned again for all their their suits. Mm-hmm. And Tuesday night, they're like, "You're the guy. You're in." So it was weird. Yeah, yeah for those not familiar, who maybe I, I know, maybe the album didn't quite sell quite as much, but I don't think anything sold that well in that era. You know, it was when you read about the history of Motley Crue and your stint in Motley Crue, you, you see some things maybe knocking record sales, but I don't think it probably did any better or worse than some of the subsequent albums without you. The song Hooligans Holiday was just probably in my top two or three Motley Crue songs, period. That's, that's cool, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, some of the, like the screams you do and stuff in that, it's just... It's just the what now? Some of the screams you do in that song and just you know, the vocal performance there is over the top. Did you, um, you did a, a decent amount of guitar work with Motley as well? I played guitar on everything. Okay. So then, um, and I, I don't want to dig too much into the, to quote, quote, the dirt, because people can read that book if they choose to. Um, but after leaving Motley Crue and that situation, um, was Union the next project that you kind of jumped into? Yeah. Um, Oddly enough, Bruce and I got together really quickly after the Motley thing. Um, I, I knew Bruce. I met Bruce a few times through Nikki, um, Bruce and his wife, Christina. And um, 
we used to just hang out at Nikki's house at barbecues and stuff, and we talked, and, you know, and it was funny, like, like, Nikki, it was really weird, like, when Bruce got laid off from Kiss before I did with the Motley thing, and they mm-hmm. put their makeup back on, and they were doing their thing, and I just remember Nikki being really pissed about that, like, he literally wrote uh, a, a letter to Gene and Paul, and he was like, you know, you guys are fucking idiots, da 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 You know, I can't believe you're doing this to my friend, Bruce. And, and he just wrote this, like, letter, scathing letter to Gene and, and Paul, and, and he kind of gave them shit for what they were doing to, to Bruce. Mm-hmm. And then it was funny, like, literally, like, five months later, we were in the, I was in the same boat, you know what I mean? Yeah. So Bruce and I we're running very parallel lives at the time. Like he had the huge gig and he lost it and I had the huge gig and I lost it. And then, you know, shortly after we both lost the gigs, the wives and girlfriends that we had at the time were just like, you know, I don't think this is going to work anymore. So his chick bailed, my chick bailed, you know, and we were just sitting there. We were actually to some degree, it was a musical outlet for us, but it was like, it was kind of therapy for each other for a while. You know, and, uh, rock stars. yeah, therapy for rock stars, you know, Dr. Kulik and Dr. Karabi, but we, we literally just got together and said, you know what, let's not make any, let's just get together and write and see if we're, if we're into this, you know what I mean? If this will work. And literally, I think the first week that him and I got together, we got together like twice and we literally wrote like, or started writing like three songs. Okay. And uh, we're like, okay, this is pretty cool. So we just kept writing. And then we got this other guy named Kurt Cuomo, who uh, he actually co-produced the Union record with Bruce and I. He also did a bunch of stuff with Kiss on that, uh, what was that record? Is it Carnival of Souls? Or? Well, yeah, the last one that Bruce was on was Carnival of Souls, yeah. Right. He co-wrote a bunch of stuff with uh, Paul and Gene and Bruce for that record. Um, so he, he worked with us and, um, we literally, Bruce and I went in and literally wrote like probably more than an album's worth of material. And then we're like, well, this is pretty good stuff. We wound up getting a deal and we didn't even really have a band, you know? So then we, we got Brent Fitz and Jamie hunting and then we went into the studio and actually like re-recorded everything, uh, like we re-recorded a lot of the stuff with Jamie and Brent and then just, you know, we're like, let's just call it union and get out there and start playing. And, and we, we had a pretty good run, man. It was cool. I mean, and it, and it's weird. Like a lot of people go like, I wish you guys would get back together. And it's weird. We never really split up. We just, you know, we weren't getting a lot of support from American radio and, um any any video outlets at all um so we just kind of took a break for a while and i went and i did the rat thing and bruce bruce was uh bruce is uh he's still with grand funk railroad you know what i mean so so he's doing that and he does his solo record so it's pretty cool yeah we actually just bruce was just um on our show a couple days ago actually we had uh, talked to him and about your collaboration on BK3, which is a, another truly great song. Um, That's cool. Now, fast a little bit now, post-union, um, what, what is, I, I know you're coming 
uh, actually two different times. You're part of the Triple Threat Tour with the LA Guns um, and Faster Pussycat, and you're also touring with with kind of a call it a super group of sorts, the Lost Angels. Um, will your what kind of material will you be doing with both of those kind of tours, and what can we? Well, I mean, the Lost Angels thing is just a thing that we just do for fun. Um, I, I was kind of the last one on board with that thing, and those guys called me. They were literally going to India with it was uh, it was uh, this guy Muddy that played bass with L.A. Guns and Gilby Clark, and Troy Patrick who plays drums with White Lion, and then a gentleman mm-hmm. named Eric Dover who um, was in, uh, he played with Alice Cooper and he was in that band Imperial Drag with some of the guys from Jellyfish. Mm-hmm. I think he actually did a Jellyfish tour as well, but he was in Slash the Snake Pit as well on the first record. And yeah. So um, they were going to, they were going to India with Gilby Clark and then Gilby backed out or something at the last minute. So they asked me to do it. And so I'm like, all right, cool. We went down there and, you know, it's just a fun thing. Like, we just get out and we just play, like, a bunch of old classic rock and roll stuff. It's a cover band, you know. It's just a cover band. We go out, we have some fun, you know. We have some drinks and, and we, you know, we joke with each other and laugh and, and play rock and roll. And it's, you know, it's it's just all about everybody having a good time. Excellent. You know what I mean? And then, exactly, yeah. It sounds like a really... Yeah, it's cool. It's fun. It's just a way to blow up steam. And, you know, now the other thing I'm doing is uh, it's a triple threat tour. Um, You know, Ellie got going out and this company, Artists Worldwide, you know, asked me if I wanted to go out and and, uh, just do this run with those guys and just kind of get my name out there and let some of these promoters and club owners and fans just let fans know that I'm out there and I've got a new band and you know what I mean? I'm I'm playing. So I think the the Lost Angels is playing at the Hard Rock. Yeah, that's correct. Eric, you're coming on. I think it's Fourth of July weekend. Yeah. And then the other band, the uh, the the my my solo band is uh, I I can't remember the exact date. August, but um, we're playing we're playing Altar Bar in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's the Altar Bar. That's the old church, right? Exactly. Yeah there with rat i believe uh, a few years back but um yeah it's it should be cool man i'm really excited about it and you know i just got to kind of go out there and and you know kind of let everybody know i'm alive and prove myself again and and just get out there and rock you know so i'm excited about you know the the, the lost angels thing is just it's going to be fun it'll be a good time and and then I'm just really excited to get out there and, like I said, let people know that I'm alive. And, you know, to some degree, I'm just I'm just muscling and moving forward. So it sounds, it sounds excellent. John, I want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know you're obviously busy getting ready for two tours. So uh, yeah, it's no, a, a great, great pleasure to take the time to talk to you. I want to thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, no worries. And uh, if I can, if I can be like, really kind of over the top here. I just want everybody to know too, that, um, I'm, I'm kind of in the process of recording a new album of all new, all new original material. But in the meantime, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put out a, I'm putting out another 
for lack of a better term, like a greatest hits record. Um, okay. And it's just basically all the songs that were radio songs off the screen, the Motley, the Union, putting all those on there with a couple of unreleased demos, like from Angora, stuff like that, and then a, a couple of new tunes. So um, look for that this summer as well. That that the, the greatest hits thing is called Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. So. Sounds great. It'd be good to hear. Are those going to be re-recordings, or are you just um, no? They're going to be original, um, original masters. At least I hope so. I, all the record companies at this point are cooperating, and um, you know, I'm 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 hoping because like I, I just really wanted to do like the one thing that I've noticed about my career is like I don't really have any material on iTunes. There's nothing on iTunes. And I constantly have people asking me, like, where can I get the Scream stuff or where can I get the Motley stuff or the Union stuff? So I want to do this Greatest Hits thing and just kind of get some stuff on iTunes for people to, like, you know, and, and then hopefully the the Hollywood Records will follow suit with the entire Scream album again and just oh, okay. get it on iTunes. So yeah, we'll see what enough, Lucky enough to get Let It Scream the first time around. And, and, and you're right, though, there isn't one kind of album or, or place to go to get kind of your collective work. I mean, you've got a very impressive resume of work, but it's kind of spread out in many different directions. So. Well, it's just weird. Like, yeah. you know, if you type in John Karabi, you can get a bunch of tribute records. I did like Rod Stewart tribute record or whatever, but like you cannot find a scream. You can't find union. Uh, the Motley thing you can find, but you got to do a little digging. Um, but it's just weird. Like there's nothing, nothing on there. So, I, I, I want to change that. I want I want people to be able to get the union stuff, the screen stuff, um, you know. So I'm going to do this greatest hits thing, and and then um, like I said, just as with a couple of new tracks at the end, while I'm recording a brand new record, and hopefully I'll have that out, you know, this year as well. So please keep us posted on that. We'll certainly pass that information on. I think you'll find a pretty good sure. hard rock. Sure, will will be doing that. She will absolutely keep everybody informed. So, all right, man. Thank right. thank you again, then, man. All right, buddy. Thank you. Father, thanks for playing with my friends and me. I'm glad they got to meet the man I know. Always knew the words and taught me honesty. You picked me up when I was feeling low. If I could talk to you. Father, I will see 
We'd like to invite you to check out our website at www.ironcityrocks.com and keep an eye on our, our Twitter feed for all the news going on uh, with the site. And we again want to remind you that John will be coming to Pittsburgh on July 2nd to play the Hard Rock Cafe with the Lost Angels and he'll be back on August 1st with the Triple Threat th- Tour with the LA Guns featuring Tracy Guns and Faster Pussycat. So before we go, we're just going to leave you a little bit of John's work with Motley Crue. This is a song called Hooligan's Holiday, and we'll see you next time. Every day is such a day. Every day. 